Okay, let's begin here. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? This is my favorite topic to talk about. We're talking about spiritual fitness, resiliency, with a little um, special mention of suicide prevention, as uh, Sir said. So I'd like to begin by saying something that might sound shocking, but I, but I believe it from my heart, okay? I don't care about suicide as much as I care about the thoughts that lead to it. Does that make sense? Like there's suicide, there's suicide-related behavior, there's destructive behaviors, and then there's the thoughts that lead to them. So what's more dangerous, the actual attempt at suicide or the thoughts that lead to it? Well, yeah, and the, or, or yes, both and, um, all of the above. But you'll never do something that you don't first think about at first. So without further ado, I have something that I've been watched uh, a couple years ago was this thing called spiritual fitness. And uh, spiritual fitness here, you can read, the, you re read this message traffic right here. But it was such a great investment for, for everybody that they decided to launch a campaign. Now, the body is made up of three components. Right? Biopsychosocial. We're physical beings, we're emotional beings, we're so sociological beings, we have souls, and what we're throwing in there now is we're spiritual beings. Now, don't get too caught up on, well, well, I'm not really a spiritual person, or you think you might be. Spiritual just means this. You can't see it, taste it, touch it, smell it. It's, it's everything down here. The physical world is up here, the spiritual world is down here. The Greeks actually had a word for this. Uh, it's called the cardia. That's a Greek word. Anybody know what a cardiologist is? Heart. Right, a heart doctor. But when the Greeks used the word cardia, made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Right? So you might have heard this saying, as a man thinketh in his heart, so shall he be. When you think, the thinking capacity of your being is your heart. Like you make all your decisions in your heart. And then your heart tells your brain what to do and your brain starts moving your hands in that order every single time. Does that make sense? So, I mean, everything we do is a choice that starts off here. Emotions, mind, will, boom, and it goes up here, it goes up here. And the interesting thing about this, this model too is that you can fertilize a bunch of stuff over here that can, that it can exacerbate what's growing down here and make fruit bud. Speaking of fruits, what, what's some more fruit? Let's just fill this up. What's that? Yes, so alcohol, alcohol abuse, DUIs, ARIs, alcohol-related incidents. There's a difference. What drives a person to drink? Okay. Well, uh, the women driving the drink, or you're saying that this is, they're, they're just a struggle in general? Yeah. Who's married? Okay, where are my married guys? How many? You ever try to control your woman? Or how, how do you like it when she tries to control you? Right? There's ne it never fails. There's always a, someone that comes in my office. Man, Ryan, this, man, my wife's trying to control me. This is no. This is real, real story. He's trying to control me, and he used some expletives. I say, how you? So you want to control how much he controls you? And the light went on in his head. He's like, this is a mutual thing, bro. Like you're trying, you want to control how much he controls you, and she's trying to control you, and man, it's it's all a mess. 
Now, is the struggle really the woman, or is the struggle how I feel towards that woman? Yeah, yeah. Man, I, I don't have any tattoos, but if I were to get one tattoo, I told myself it'd be right, it'd be big right here. Of course, I'd have to cover it with my hand, right? So it would be, it's not about me, like I-N-A-M, right there. And that would be like, that would save my marriage. Like if I'm getting an argument with my wife or we're, we're betting heads about something and I just go, it's not about me. That's right. That's right. And it would just set me free. But when someone thinks the world is all about them, then they're going to fight. They're going to fight with their wife. They're going to argue. It's going to be, I can't believe she did this. I can't believe she doesn't even know how to do that. But she do all day. That's where fights and quarrels come from. They come from unmet desires. But we'll just throw this female sign up there for just for giggles there. What else? Some other fruits. What's that? Desperation. Desperation. What, like, what, what does that look like? What does that mean? Stress. Desperation. Stress. Okay. What kind of stress? A boss, maybe? Okay. How come nobody's going to, the, let's go to the hard stuff to talk about, right? How about, how about some addictions like, how about pornography addiction? Yeah, no, okay, I, 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 did I hear an amen? Okay. Yes? Eating. Right here. Boom, that's a burger right there. Right? So food addiction, porn addiction, alcohol addiction, you name it. Angry, anger addiction. Um, they all come from different roots down here. So I'm going to give you the seven roots. I, this is just, this is just uh, my theory. I believe there are seven roots that lead to all these kinds of fruits. And these fruits are just, they can be from, they can range from anything. There are going to be millions of fruit up there. But some, fruits down, some roots down here underground, I believe the first one is here, let's just say deception. And the root of deception is pretty simple, okay? If you're writing this down, the root of deception is basically I'm believing a lie. So if I believe something that's not true, guess what's going to happen to this root? It's going to turn into behavior that leads to this. Let's just say, man, I really want these guys to like me. Well, what do I got to do to get them to like me? I don't know. Maybe I'll just do what they do. I've never dipped before. Maybe I'll start dipping. I'm not saying dipping's wrong because it's, it's not. The dentist says it's bad for your teeth, but I'm not a dentist. I don't know. But doing something that I've never done before to impress these guys would be wrong. Um, it's how people get into drinking. It's how anybody go on the, on, hey, who's deployed in here before? Okay. How many dumb things have Marines done in port that they would have never done in their right mind, but they did it because of peer pressure? Okay. That's, that's, that's a little bit of deception here. I have to do this. And then, and then, boom, loses virginity to a, to a prostitute who happened to really be a guy. <laughs> Just crazy stuff like that. And we're laughing because it's true. Okay? But, but we have to be on the lookout for things that are alive. So I always ask myself, man, is this true? Is this true? Is, is what I'm believing right now true? And if I could nip it right here in the budding stage, right at the roots, then that sucker will never turn into to, uh, fruit. Now watch this. Uh, rebellion is the second root. And there's no real order to these roots here. Deception and rebellion. I'm just throwing them all out there as, you know, whatever comes to my mind here. But the root of rebellion is pretty simple. It, deep down in our hearts, 
oh, there's this rebellious spirit. Like, we want to rebel. Like, I want to rebel. Like, when someone tells me, hey, do something, then I automatically think, like, well, who are you? Like, I drive here on the road, and it's 15 miles an hour, and then 25, and then 35, back to 50, back to 25. And I'm always like, mm, maybe I can go a little faster than that thing says. Why? Because that's the root of rebellion. It's the root cause of a lot of this stuff up here. The way we behave is deep down in our hearts. It's just, man, I don't want to do that. So we have to keep our eye on that. Another one here, it's the love of, who's heard this before? The love of, you finished a sentence. The love of money is the root of all kinds of, yeah. So you've heard that before. It's an ancient, it's an ancient saying, okay, from the scriptures. So if someone's in love with money, man, stand by. If it's your family member, they're going to step on you to get what they want. They're going to use you as a commodity to get what they want. Why? Because they're after money. And the social media, I mean, the media bumps this, plays this off. Um, our, our, our athletes uh, glorify the worship of money, uh, music, rap star, whatever. People are glorifying money like, like, it's, like it actually matters. Uh, money Mayweather, these guys always talking about money, but deep down in their hearts, man, they're not, they're not happy. They're not happy. These guys confess these things later on. Like Tom Brady's got all these rings, got a beautiful wife. What did he say in that one interview on YouTube? He's like, man, there's got to be something more to this. There's got to be something more. Madonna said the same thing. Look up these quotes. I'm not making this stuff up. Jim Carrey, remember Jim Carrey, right? He said, I hope everybody gets everything they ever wanted so they can see that it's really nothing in the end. So all these stars that get all this money, that they're, they're realizing that, man, this is not, money can't buy you happiness and love. You know, the Beatles said that. So, there, so these are the three roots over here. Uh, the other four roots that I have uh, discovered, I'm going to call these things idols. Anybody know what an idol is? Yeah. An idol is something you worship. Um, an idol is something you worship. So it sounds like, a, I'm going to give you a little theological education here. Uh, idolatry in the scriptures is uh, making something matter more that doesn't matter most. It's making something that's not really bad an, an ultimate thing in your life. So here, here's the litmus test for me. If you say, I need, and then you fill in that blank right there, um, if you say, I need this thing, then it, it's probably become an idol in your life. I'll uh, give, give you an example. Like if I'm, uh, say again? Yeah, sure. Like, dude, I need, I need that energy drink. Then that thing has become an idol. Um, it could be subtle. Like for me as a dad, if I say the words, man, I need you to eat your vegetables. Well, is that true? Do I really need them to eat the vegetables? What happens if I don't get what I want? I mean, it be all not happy and want, I want to get going to anger, going to rage, road rage. No, but if I, if I say, this is for me, for my, my personal theology here, if I need, believe I need something, and it's not God or something I really need, then it's now become an idol. So here's, here's the first idol, right? I'm going to give you four. The idol of power. An idol is also something that I worship. Like I bow down to it. And I, oh man, I just really love it. So the idol of power is someone who wants to be right all the time. You ever meet anybody like that? Like they always got to get in the last word. 
always got to be right. It's called the idol of being right. It's a power move. Like if you say something and I just got to gotta interject myself to just trump you because I want to win. That's an idol of power. That's a power move. Um, when rape happens, right, is it about sex or something else? Rapes don't happen. It's not about sex. It's about, it's about power. There, there's, there's data and there's research that's, that's broken this down. When, when rapists rape women, it's not, it's not because they're looking for sex. They're looking to dominate. They're looking for power. It's kind of sick, isn't it? But power worshipped and out of control will end up like that. It will end up doing heinous things like that. Here, uh, one, control. Deception, rebellion, love of money, power, and control. What, who's a, who's a, a control freak in here? Come on. Anybody, nobody wants to get vulnerable here? I'm the only one I have. Me and you. There you go. Control is all over the place. When someone wants to control, then they're going to freak out with everything. They have to have their way. In marriages and relationships, it's almost always about control. I begin my day uh, with a prayer. And I get this from C.S. Lewis. He's the author of Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Friends with J.I. Tolkien, and the Lord of the Rings guys, right? So C.S. Lewis starts his day off with two questions. One, who's in control? And two, to whom shall I listen to today? Those two questions have set me free. Because when I realize that I don't control anything, then I can relax. Who's, de who's dealt with road rage before? We're like, someone cuts you off, and you're like, ah, and now I'm just like, whoa, whoa, I don't. And that person's probably in a rush somewhere. I don't know if that lady's pregnant and her water broke. I don't know. But I don't control people. So I'm just going to keep on driving. But when you want to control everything, you're going to get pissed off at everybody and everything, all circumstances. When we relinquish control, when we learn how to do this, and life is, like my mind right now is so quiet. It's so at peace. Because I've learned the skill of just relinquishing control. I don't control my wife. I don't control my kids. My kids is the frustrating one because I'm like, hey, pick that up. And then my, my, my three-year-old would be like, mm. and then he'll walk this way. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. But still, at the end of the day, I, at the end of the day, I create an environment where my kids can choose the right thing. But at the end of the day, I can't, I can't make them. I can't even make them eat. I'm like, dude, the food's right there. I'm locking it up in 30 minutes, and then you can wait till tomorrow. But I'm not controlling them anymore, so, I don't, so I'm not getting twisted about it. I'm not, I used to slam my fist on the table, like literally, like scaring like little kids. I got tiny kids, too. They're like this big, right? But now that as a dad, I've learned not to control. Boom. Less, way less frustration. So you have here uh, deception, rebellion, love of money, power, control, comfort. The idol of comfort is someone who only makes decisions that are comfortable for him. There's a lot of things that make us uncomfortable. One is being open and honest. Like, you know what the difference between um, emotional isolation and insulation is? So, insulation is like this. Uh, Say, so, hey, hey, Castro, what's up, man? And I'm going to let you in to my life, but I'm, I'm only going to let you in for so so much because I don't want you to know who I really am underneath. I don't want you to, to know what I really struggle with. That's insulation. I'm going to let him in a little bit, but not so much. 
Isolation is like, dude, I don't even want friends, man. I'm, you know, nobody's going to get to know me, and so I'm going to isolate myself. That all stems from a place of comfort. Like, man, I, I, I can't let anybody know that I struggle with this, this, and this, and this. I'm not going to let anybody let I know I, I struggle with porn. And so a person who's emotionally insulated and isolated becomes detached, and they become frustrated, and they become angry because we weren't created, gentlemen, to be isolated. We were created to be known. Like human beings were actually created to be known in community and to be there for one another. The most powerful thing in the world is, is, is relationships. And when you find these good communities, like you have any friends who know everything about you, but they love you anyways? Who's got that? Who's got that kind of community? I have that community. And I encourage you to get that community. But where we go, man, I can't trust anybody around here. Man, that's, that's a sad day. So we get into things like community. You might find that in a church group. You might find that in, in a, in a jujitsu gym. You might find that in a basketball team. You might find that in little communities where you can let the walls fall down. That's a person who is in good community and known, and they step into places of, of vulnerability. And here, here I am. Here's what I struggle with. Anybody ever been to an AA meeting? Or you've seen them? Thank you for your vulnerability, man. That's awesome. You're, you're courageous. Or you see them on, on, on TV or on movies. They sit around in a circle and they go, Hi, my name is Ryan and I am an alcoholic. Right? Um, different faith-based models like Celebrate Recovery. I've sat in any of these meetings because I'm, I'm part of these meetings. Like I go for anger. I'm not kidding when I say I go for anger. I'm an anger addict. Um, we sit in these meetings and, Hi, my name is Ryan and I, and I struggle with anger. Hey, Ryan. And you just go around the circle. And right off the bat, practicing transparency and vulnerability in the midst of community. So we have your power, control, comfort, and I'm going to put the last one here. The last root is approval. And this is a, this is a heinous one right here, approval. There is a uh, fight club. What's the quote from fight club? Yeah, yeah, there, there's that, there's that, but it's we... We buy things we don't need with the money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Isn't that the truth? Like, why are we buying this stuff? Why do we get stuff to, to make ourselves look good? Why? Because it all goes back to this thing right here. Like, we want people to like us. Like, why do we care so much about what other people think of us? So I'm a pastor, right? I, I have a cross right here that I wear. And I'm in church, and then this will speak to some of you church guys in this room, but like, I used to worship God, like, like I'd be all timid like this, and I'd be, I'd be looking left and right, I'm like, well, that guy's got his hands in the air, and I'd be so timid. It wasn't until just recently, like a few years ago, where I just started letting loose in my own church, like worshiping God, like, like there's, there's no tomorrow, like, like I should. I remember like, about 12 years ago, my brother and I got... We worked for this company. They all they gave us tickets to uh, see Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. It was pretty. It was pretty epic. And I went to this. I went to this show. And I remember, man. I don't even know the guys to my left, and my right, but we were all singing the same. Warren G was there as well. And we were like our hands around each other. And we we're just like going crazy and singing the songs together. And uh, I didn't care. And then I go into my own church and I'm all timid. Why? Because I was afraid of what people would think about me, especially my wife. I let that go. I don't really care what people think about me anymore. 
unless there's some kind of truth to it. Like, hey, Ryan, I noticed the way you talk to your wife, you're kind of like, you're kind of short. Or one lady came up to me and she goes, I just taught this class. She goes, you know, the way you talk about your wife, it doesn't really seem like you love her that much. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I don't want to dismiss it. I wanted to really assess what I was, what I was saying. And, and uh, I realized there was a little bit of truth to what this, this stranger just told me. But I welcomed those things. And I was like, man, I need to take a good look in the mirror. And nobody in this room, nobody in this room can see their blind spots. So what do I got my friends for? Like, why do we have an A driver when we're driving? That's right. That's right. Thank you, Mr. Bryant. Because your A driver can see what you can't see. Why do we have the ground guide? Because they're going to see something on the ground we can't see. So in life, if I got my buddy to my left and my right, like, hey, you know, if, if RP right here, I say, hey, Christopher, we're, you know, we're good friends. Dude, just can you shoot straight with me? And he's like, man, the way you talk to that other guy there, he's, it, you're pretty condescending. You're, you're pretty arrogant. And I'm like, dude, thanks, man. Thanks for telling me that. I got to go apologize to that guy. But are you surrounded with people who are telling you the truth? Yeah. It's good, to, it's good to do that. I forgot what Marine Corps general said this, but he goes, you know, the last time someone told me the truth, I was a captain. Isn't that crazy? That's sad. Why is it that when someone reached higher rank that everybody just wants to tell them what they want to hear? Maybe approval. Maybe it's uncomfortable. Maybe they're scared. Yes? Because you can never tell the difference between the guy that's going to take it and the guy that's going to ruin your career. OK. OK, so. I'm glad you said that. So if, if, if this high-ranking person is jacked up and I have an opportunity to tell him the truth, you're saying sometimes I don't want to tell him the truth because he can mess up my career. Yes. Right? Is, is, there, is there truth to that? Yeah, sometimes. Well, what's the right thing to do? What does right look like? You just tell him the truth. At, at the end of the day, everybody wants to know if they have a booger hanging out of their nose. Everybody. Does anybody disagree with that? I remember, this is embarrassing to say, okay? First time I ever went to the field, I get in line for chow, and this, this brave corporal of Marines had the balls to come up to me, and he goes, hey, sir, you should be eating last. And I remember thinking, like, dude, who is this guy? Tell me to get out of this line. And later on, it dawned on me, like, dude, he was looking after me. I'm so glad he had the balls to say something before I got to the front of the line and made a fool of myself. And then I would have been the talk of like, dude, that guy has no clue, man. Out to lunch. It was my first time in the field. But when someone had, had, had the cojones to tell me that, and I, I could speak on behalf of any, any uh, of, of your superiors here, they would want you to shoot straight with them. Tell the truth. Am I right? So you, you want to hear the truth? I was actually going to ask about that, sir. That's an awesome topic that you brought up. Uh, if you could give some advice to everyone in here, sure. I mean, if you don't have somebody who's going to make an environment for you guys to be able to tell you something, like, I want to know, and, and a lot of you guys do know me in here, that well, that's the environment that I try to create everything you talk to me. Whether I'm right or wrong, I want to know things. I want you to talk to me. I can't trust you if you don't talk to me like a man, right? We're all men here. That's right. Sometimes it is very tough in the military right. because you do have not, not only the illusion of power, you are legitimately in authority. Like, you are right. in platoon commander or whatever. Uh, that's like actual authority granted by yes. know, the, the military. By the president, yes. So, so there, there's an art. It's called speaking truth to power. 
So everybody back in the ancient day was scared to talk to the king because the king could actually shoot the messenger. That's, that's actually my job is like, hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm going to give some bad news right now, right? Like I give death notifications. And there's, there's a lady one time we're, we're knocking on her door and we come to tell her that her son had died. And, and man, she was, she was pissed. But we're just the messenger. And so speaking truth to power has some, sometimes it might look like sure, uh, permission to bring something up. Or, I mean, a suggestion box, you know, if you really don't, if, if you're really scared for your career or whatever. But I'm saying, like, we can't feed any of these things. If you're operating off of fear, if you're operating out of control, comfort, I would say, here's the lifestyle, here's the punchline to all this stuff. We can't afford any of these routes. So while the details might vary from time to time in how to tell a superior something, the main thing I got to deal with is my heart. If I'm not telling somebody something because I'm just scared of what they might think of me, that's approval. If I'm not telling somebody something because I'm afraid for my career, that, may have, that might be a control thing. I'm trying to control my own destiny. And I just say throw it on the line there. With wisdom and with, with um, a council of wise people, right? I would not get your marriage counseling in the barracks. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Someone always comes to me, hey, I, I got this advice. Well, I, I just got dumped, and then these guys tell me they want to take me to a strip club. And this is true. I'm like, that's not good advice at all. Here's what we're going to do, bro. We're going to work it out, okay? We're going to get you both in there, and we're going to talk about it. So here's the lifestyle, okay? If I can't see these things down here, how do I get rid of them? How do you uproot something? Now, let's step away from this, this illustration. Let's just go straight up to gardening here. How do you kill a tree? For all the fruit to fall off without without swinging at the fruit, how do you how do you get it to fall off? That's right. And so here's how, here's this is really technical. Okay, you take a root, you pull that sucker out of the ground, you throw it on the street. What happens to that root? It shrivels up and dies because the sun exposes it. And then what starts to happen is all the fruit just falls off the tree without even messing with it. Here's why I don't like anger management. I don't want to manage this stuff. I want it gone by nipping at the roots. Okay, so see these, like some people look at flies and like, man, I wonder if we study the flight pattern of these flies and then we, no, I don't want to study the flies. I want to find out that someone left the trash full back there, full of fruit, and all these fruit flies are coming out of there. So if I target the root cause of the problem, I took the trash and I put it outside, guess what's going to go away after a while? All these little flies that are bothering me and getting in my face. I would say the same thing with our anger. Gents, your anger could be a gift. You could say like, man, I, this thing is always there. I'm always getting angry. I wonder why. So you get into counseling, you talk to a good friend, you talk to someone who's wise, and, and the, a person who's skilled at this would say, hey, have you, ever, have you ever addressed what happened down here? Mm, there's some, I'm gonna wrap this up here because I'm only, I'm only giving 30 minutes here, but this can get so complex. I put here some bricks. Okay, I put four bricks here, guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. So our goal is to, to talk about these things. The way we uproot a root is to talk about these things. So the only way you can pull up these seven roots is by saying, I am struggling with, boom, and it comes out of your mouth. That's called confession. The word for confession is homo legeo. Same homo legeo, to speak. So there's power.
power in confession. I am being a jerk right now. When I yelled at my kid because they brought a shovel of dirt into the house and put it on the counter. That's a true story. So when I confess those things, it's out in the open. And then I can confess to my wife, I said something really mean to, to, to the girls. Here's what I said. And I don't want to do that. That stuff's uncomfortable to admit my failure again and again and again. But where, I'm, where my lifestyle is, is confession and exposure and constantly throwing my junk out there all the time, not that I wear my feelings on my sleeve, but in the right venue, I got no fear, gents. I'm, I'm, I'm in this mode of I'm fully known. Ask me if I have any secrets with my wife. Nope, I got no secrets with my wife. She knows everything about me. And you know how awesome that is? Well, it's just 100% male in here. It's the best thing you could ever think of. And so a lot of guys think they know what sex is supposed to be like, but they have no idea until they be, become fully known by their wives. That's when sex just goes through the roof. But until then, if you bring secrets into the marriage bed, your sex will always hit a, hit a roof. Like, cheat on your wife and not tell her and bring that back and see, how, see what that does to your marriage. It'll destroy you. We come back from deployment, uh, so someone comes to my office, hey, uh, man, I'm, we went to Thailand and I slept with this prostitute and the doc, he put the swab on me and he said his results are not going to come back for 90 days. But we come back from deployment in 30 days. What should I do? Should I tell my wife? And the docs know these are true stories. Well, heck yeah, you should tell her. Because where you're not known, then you're not loved. If you're 99% loved, then you're not loved. If you're 99% known, then you're not known. And the only way a person become, can become fully loved is if they're fully known. And we're fully known by exposing all this stuff. By exposing all this stuff. And then we got to break up these bricks here. And then it even gets worse because there are wounds that happen here that need to be dealt with as well. That's why I have that retreat that I advertise in my office. The Mark Ben for Christ retreat. It's a faith-based model for wounds. And then the little droplets on here are things like we're on our phones a lot. We're on social media a lot. We listen to music a lot. That doesn't help with healing. And though this water feeds these roots, and these roots make these fruits, and then we erect these walls, and it's just whatever. First, if I were to summarize this whole tree illustration in one sentence, it would be the way to freedom from these things is by confession in the midst of safe community. You can talk to the Oscar. You know that we have a psychologist and a psychiatrist on staff here in that building right over there. We have our own military family life counselor, Heidi, who's right next to me, who's pretty good. She's, I, would, I would definitely vouch that she's, she's a good counselor because she's transparent and she's vulnerable herself and she can help you navigate through those things. And then you have me. Um, I, my thing is I can't tell anybody anything. <laughs> so you can, and I, I mean that. My ears are graves where you can bury your problems and begin healing. So I say, hey, just try me out one time. Try me out right now. What's down here? And someone might say something that just freaks everybody else out. And it could be really weird, right? Really kinky or really like, hey, here's how I've ever experimented before. Or, or you know, man, when I was a kid, this happened to me. Or, man, when I was a kid, I experimented with my cousin, like, sexually here and, he, and he's a guy it's weird it's weird am I weird and I'd be like so how does it feel to be finally known here do you feel judged by me 
No, that's right, because I have no judgment for you. What's next, right? This is something everybody in this room needs to do. But there's a machismo culture that says, man, nobody's going to know me. And so a guy that says that is a guy who says, I'm going to erect these walls. I'm going to keep these things down here. And you know what he looks like? He's the road rage guy. He's the addict. She's the addict. Some of you guys have been wounded by your fathers. The wounds of the father are the most common wounds. Whether his dad was absent, whether he called you a loser, whether he was, whether he was too involved in areas, your mom might have caused some wounds. And these are all wounds, gents. So I would ask us to really step aside from this and take a good deep down look in your heart and, and use the services of, uh, available to you, like counselors, your good trusted buddy, your communities. And that sums up my tree illustration for spiritual resilience, suicide prevention, and uh, any questions for me? All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Wow.